Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and happy Friday. It's July 21st. On this date in 1862, President Abraham Lincoln presented to his cabinet a preliminary draft of the Emancipation Proclamation. In 1934, bank robber John Dillinger was shot to death by federal agents outside a Chicago theater. And on this date in 2015, a federal grand jury charged Dylan Roof with 33 counts in the Charleston Church shooting. He became the first person to be sentenced to death for a federal hate crime. He's currently on death row at a federal prison in Indiana. Now let's check out your weekend forecast from the Live Five First Alert Weather Center. And good Friday morning to you. I'm meteorologist Joey Sovine. Starting out warm and muggy this morning. Small chance of rain throughout the morning hours. A couple of hit or miss showers and storms this afternoon. Temperatures today will top out around 90 degrees. Rain chance about 40% today. About 40% again tomorrow. We'll see chance of some rain in the morning through early to middle part of the afternoon. Then I think we're drying out late in the day on Saturday. As drier air moves in, that's going to lower the rain chance for late Saturday and Sunday as well. Only a small chance of rain for the second half of the weekend with high temperatures Saturday and Sunday in the low 90s. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast from the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Morning Y'all is sponsored by MUSC Health. Join a team that's changing what's possible. MUSC Health is hiring for all locations and various positions, including radiology, path and lab, maintenance, and a number of other professions. Find out more about the competitive pay rates and benefits or review a more comprehensive list of current openings at muschealth.org slash careers. MUSC Health, changing what's possible. Aisha Tyler and Michael Higdon have your headlines. Well, a behavioral health center for children in Georgetown had his business license revoked yesterday by the city. Council members say that facility is a public problem. As Ray Arena reports, the center's business license had expired months before this decision. City of Georgetown police say they've been called over 100 times to this behavioral health facility right behind me. And after two years in operation, the city has decided to revoke its license to operate. Yesterday, Georgetown City Council voted 6-1 to one to revoke Broadstep Behavioral Health Center's business license. Police Chief William Pierce says the department has received around 150 calls for service and over 70 incident reports related to the center since 2020. These incidents included fights, runaways, disturbances, and a sexual assault, according to the department. In late May, Pierce asked the city administrator not to renew the center's license, which had expired in late April. The center tried to renew in June, which was denied, and their appeal was heard yesterday. The 32-bed facility currently houses around 20 children under the State Department of Social Services Care, who say the children are victims of child abuse and neglect by their family or caregivers. Salmon Council felt Broadstep could have communicated more with the city before it reached this point. Why wasn't there communication? Why didn't Broadsteps reach out to the city of Georgetown and say, we know we have a problem, what can we do to stop this? Maybe those communications were late. We argue that they weren't. Um, but the council chose to accept another version. And Broadstep's attorney tells me that his client has the option of appealing the city's decision to revoke their license in the circuit courts. Reporting in Georgetown, Ray Urena, Live 5 News. 
Well, that same clinic is facing a lawsuit right now from a mother who claims her son was dragged down the stairs, punched, and had his arm broken by some employees there. Laren Go tells us her son was uh, with autism, rather, was 13 when she put him into the care of Broadstep Behavioral Health in Georgetown. It wasn't long after he arrived that the lawsuit alleges a situation where he hit an employee and it escalated into several employees, dragging him to his room and holding him down to the point of breaking his arm. Go calls it one of the worst experiences and that she wasn't told her son even went to the ER. We reached out to the clinic for comment but have yet to hear back. The Medical University of South Carolina's neurology department has adopted a new online or telepresence surgical technology. It gives surgeons access to a wide network of experts across the world any time of day during live procedures. Lauren Quinlan joins us live with more on how this technology works. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning. This technology allows for a virtual remote presence in the operating room. So if a surgeon needs to collaborate with a colleague on a complex procedure, they'll be able to see and hear everything that's happening in the OR. Dr. Alex Spiota is the leader of the STAR Network, or Stroke Thrombectomy and Aneurysm Registry. He says it's an effort to improve outcomes with patients and better understand the diseases they treat by sharing data, research, and expertise with colleagues around the world. Through a strategic partnership with STAR and Avail, the technology company, the hospital can use this technology in the operating room. Within a moment's notice, Spiota can phone a friend on their phone, computer, or iPad, and they can join virtually into the operating room in high definition. They'll be able to see and hear what's going on in the OR from the patient's charts to the doctor's hands actively performing surgery. To have a daily interaction with each other, now we can benefit from someone who has a particular smaller expertise. Maybe he's seen a, he or she has seen a similar case. So we can really tap into each other's experience and brain power to the benefit of the patients. So just bringing us all together in a way that I never would have thought would be possible. Spiota says this technology will also help them assist surgeons in developing countries without having to travel. They'll be able to monitor them to make sure they have good quality outcomes. Doctors say this technology is quite cool and fun, but at the end of the day, it's about the patient's best outcome. Reporting live, Lauren Quinlan, Live 5 News. Officials with the Georgetown County Sheriff's Office say they have made an arrest in Monday night shooting. They say a 16-year-old has been charged with shooting another juvenile. Officials say the investigation started after the victim showed up at the hospital and say the shooting itself happened at a home on Savannah Street. Deputies say the victim was shot in the head and is currently recovering from his wounds. The 16-year-old charged in the incident is being held at the Department of Juvenile Justice in Columbia. We now know the names of two victims who died in an overnight shooting out of Georgetown. Georgetown County deputies went to a home on North Fraser Street a little after midnight yesterday. That's where they found John Altman and Emily Riccitelli. The sheriff's office says they believe it was domestic incident, but they are not sure just yet of their relationship. Ronnie Todd Jr. is charged with two counts of murder, among other charges. Todd was arrested at his home after a standoff with the sheriff's office SWAT team.
The Beaufort County Sheriff's Office has arrested a 19-year-old charged with multiple counts of sexual exploitation of a minor. Andrew Graves is charged with three counts of sexual exploitation of a minor in the second and third degrees. Now, the investigation started when deputies received leads of child sexual abuse material being uploaded to social media. Investigators then started to obtain warrants to search for the person responsible. Graves turned himself in and his bond was set at $30,000. The city of Charleston is looking to contract a consultant to create a new disaster plan specifically tailored to the city itself. Molly McBride joins us live in Charleston. And Molly, you spoke with the city about why they feel this is so important to have. Uh, what did they have to say? Given Charleston's unique nature, the city says they've determined it's important to have their own hazard mitigation plan nestled within the county's plan that's already in place. The plan will help officials understand potential hazards and how they manifest. It also makes it easier for the city to work with facilities like the medical district or the Citadel in a strategic manner in case of emergency. I spoke with Dale Morris, Charleston's chief resilience officer, who says he feels this plan is important given Charleston's long history and pattern of flooding. Tailoring the plan at the city level will allow for more detail looking at specific streets, basins, and hazards common to the area. Morris also says hazard mitigation plans pre-qualify the city for federal aid in case of an emergency. So when you have a hazard mitigation plan in place, FEMA and the state will say, okay, they were planned well, they followed their plan well, they've done what they're supposed to do, so now we're going to help them out post-disaster in the most expeditious way. That, of course, requires federal and state resources to be available. But he says having a plan in place is very important for federal resource flow post-disaster. This plan is also important for vulnerable communities, like low-line areas during a flood event, or places who need extra attention in order to recover. The city received assistance from FEMA to create this plan. The city says with an updated hazard mitigation plan, they will also be able to update their recovery, emergency operations, and continuity of operation plans as well. For more information about what specifically they're looking for, visit live5news.com and click on this story. Reporting live in Charleston, Molly McBride, Live 5 News. Celebrating birthdays this Friday, actress Louise Fletcher is 88, singer George Clinton is 81. Actor Danny Glover is 76. Actor-comedian David Spade, he's 58. Singer Rufus Wainwright is 49. Actress A.J. Cook of Criminal Minds turns 44. And singer-actress Selena Gomez turns the big 3-0. Thanks for starting your day with us. We hope you have a great weekend. For Morning Y'all, I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you Monday. Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all. Produced every weekday morning and sponsored by MUSC Health. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen anytime at live5news.com slash podcasts. And download the free Live 5 News app for your mobile device for the latest local news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.